1: Welcome to episode 21, the first episode from season two of Practice Disrupted. It's January 2021, and we are leaving 2020 behind and transitioning into a new year and a new season. Today, we invited Wanda Lau, who is an editor at Architect Magazine, to join us as a moderator in an interview about what's ahead for season two. I've known Wanda for a while, and a couple years ago, she invited me to become a more regular contributor to Architect Magazine and has been a host on a number of their podcasts at Architect Chats, so I'm super excited to bring her on. In this interview, we hope to sum up our goals and ideas of what we are planning to do in this next season.
0: As Evelyn mentioned, Wanda Lau is an editor, writer, and a podcaster at Architect Magazine. We are delighted she joined us to kick off season two. Wanda covers technology, practice, and op-eds at Architect Magazine, the Journal of the American Institute of Architects. Based in Washington, D.C., she is an award-winning editor and writer who has covered everything from building codes to firm culture. She's also a host and producer of the Architect Podcast Network. Prior to joining Architect, she worked for a decade in the AEC industry as an owner's representative, engineer, and communications director but not all at once. She is part of our architecture and community, and we're excited to bring her on the show.
1: Let's cut to the
2: conversation. I don't have any notion that 2021 is going to be any different immediately from 2020, just the way it's going. It's just, <laughs> it's just a mess. A continuation. <laughs> yes. The new page in the calendar does not mean anything. No, it was interesting.
1: I think, so this, this episode is airing on January 21st, but... Um, We're recording on January 8th, just for perspective for everyone. So what happened this Wednesday, oddly enough, I think hit me that much harder emotionally because we all may have this idea that things are going to turn over in the new year, right? There's new goals, new resolutions, everyone's – that's when gym memberships get active again, everyone's – kind of doing this big reset and I guess i was secretly hoping in the back of the mind that we did a reset as a country already but um yes here we are in 2021 and yesterday we were seven days in and i noted this in the newsletter but for our listeners i was like you know everyone's like i, I, I had the free pass the seven f- day free pass on 2021 and I want to return it I'm done
2: already yeah it's hard to it's hard to stay away from the news right now. It's just so appalling, but expected at the same time. It's just just an attack on American democracy and everything it stands for. I just I live within two miles of Congress, so I oh no, I am right there. Wow, that must have been scary. <laughs> uh, the the district was in a lockdown. Um, uh, they went under curfew, right. and there were definitely groups of unmasked men walking through my neighborhood on their way to probably the hill, but. Yeah, it's it's hard to put it into words, the feeling of seeing your hometown just being ravaged and trashed by people who don't respect American ideals, the real American ideals. So it's hard to say. That's
0: really tough. I'm I'm sure that was hard. Um, And Evelyn and I, because of our extensive work with AIA, we've been to that building many times over the years to participate in governance days with the AIA. And so um, having been in those buildings, it was hard to see even and just I feel like it's an extension of a part of my home, you know, feeling very proud of being involved in government at all through the AIA. Um, It just felt like a violation, even for me, and I I don't live in DC anymore.
2: You don't have to live in DC to just feel completely just broken.
0: So I know a lot of people are trying to recover from that right now. And, you know, to your point, Evelyn had aspirations that 2021 was going to you know, be the year <laughs> to rebound.
1: <laughs> and then conversely, I've also been having conversations with my colleagues that all, all of my younger colleagues without children are just like, "Oh, huh, this vacation isn't long enough. Like I could have used another week and all of my colleagues with children are like, thank God they are back to school and I have help back at home. So like, it was bittersweet because I was happy to get back to work this week and and have help at home Um, it's just been an interesting week yes here in DC
2: DC public schools never went back full time in person so we have the privilege of being able to hire help some people are still just you know their kids are working alongside them on the dining room table and that's how it's been for that's March last year so yeah but uh, yeah I echo with the uh, sentiments it's nice to have some structure back in this in the children's lives Uh, (laughs) So so Evelyn, Janine, you guys completed 20 episodes in your season one. That was your first season for podcasting, which was really impressive. Are there any grand takeaways from that season? I know you went over some of them with Demetrius last year, but I guess after this kind of break and some time away from the podcast, what are you guys thinking?
1: Well, I don't want to speak on Janine's behalf, but I was surprised we got through 20 episodes. And then we were like, okay, we're going to commit to 40 this year. And there's a part of us that are like, how are we going to find the 40 right people to fit in the podcast to fill that time? And, you know, what do we want to talk about? And why do we want to say it? But I think I'm personally trying to approach my, my word for this year is agility in all of its forms. So I'm personally trying to take things in stride a little bit more. Um, and, you know, st- from the feedback we got on the podcast, so many people loved the variety of the episodes that we were offering. So I think if we can continue to offer that variety going forward, but really stay true to the f- notion that, uh, you know, what it means to practice architecture can be more broadly defined, and that the profession can learn so much more by looking outside of what we traditionally do and and learn from that i i think i think that's kind of where we land and then i'm not so worried about filling the 40 slots i don't know about you janine
0: i'm not worried about that either i know there's so many people out there that have ideas to share on this topic for me i heard feedback from friends that you know these are issues that a lot of people have had on the side inside their firms, either like when they go out to lunch or, you know, some firm cultures, they're open and they are talking about it. So I know that it's not new. It's kind of like just bringing it into one bigger conversation where everyone who has thought about these things can come together and kind of problem solve around it. And that's what I find really exciting about what we're doing.
2: I find that to be true too. In my coverage at Architect, I focus a lot on architect and designers, not so much architecture projects that people know my coverage. So I, things that you guys talk about here, such as actual professional practice, which, what it means to run a business, what it means to have values and a, a strong firm culture that actually walks the walk. And I think I think you guys have done a great job with the diversity of guests you've had in terms of their expertise and their backgrounds and how they touch upon architecture in some unique way besides their excellent design work.
0: We really appreciate that. Thank you, Wanda.
2: You're welcome. 40 is ambitious, though.
1: It is. 40 is (laughs) ambitious. This (laughs) is coming from somebody else who had her own podcast.
2: I know. (laughs) I mean, it's still going. We are slowing the pace of it just because it takes time and staffing to do it. And as you guys know, and you guys both also have full time jobs, it does. I would, I mean, I think we talked about
0: this a little bit, but I think the amount of time that goes into this, I mean, I know Voices from the Future of the Profession was one that everybody really liked. And if you only knew how many hours went into that, I mean, it was a huge effort that that group um, from Demetrius who edited it to the contributing speakers who wrote their stories. Um, Evelyn and I had many planning conversations and worked extensively with the moderators to try and think through how to have those conversations in in a positive way that really made an impact. So those episodes take a really long time to create. And they definitely are a labor of love because we're coming from a place of trying to ask people to tell very personal stories about a common theme around challenges that they face. Um, And so, you know, we feel really lucky that we got two really great episodes out of that 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 can hopefully educate people on how to think differently about things that maybe they don't have access to the information that they would need in order to change their mindset. And then beyond that, like the interviews themselves, uh, Evelyn and I spend a lot of time trying to think about questions that we want to ask that are going to hit into the topics that we know need to be discussed. So it takes a lot of time and we learned a lot, I think, last year. And so we're hoping Gosh, I feel like I just walked off the field of a football game. I feel like I'm giving this like post game summary, but we learned a lot, <laughs> and we're gonna try and um, fold it into this season.
1: I do feel like at the at one point we actually became more efficient, but I feel like it's one of those things that you like if if you dropped off, it's gonna take a little bit of time to regain its efficiency. That's
2: right. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are strong analogies with architectural work in terms of how much thought goes into a design detail like just the smallest minutiae of a detail can take hours and hours of iterations and yeah podcasting is a labor of love for sure definitely (laughs) Um, do, do any of your personal goals for this year do you think that will have an impact on the kind of guests that you're looking for
1: I want to I want to stretch a little bit more. I want to stretch myself a little bit more when it comes to design and all of the things that can be designed in the world. Um, you know, businesses, operations, processes, how we market ourselves, how we do business development. Those are all things that we can re redesign, um how we approach those. So I am I'm going to try to make an effort I feel this year to reach out a little bit more to my business school network and see what other outside expertise we can bring in and learn from and really just when it comes to learning how to create a business out of the practice of architecture itself. Like I I need to learn from these people, right? Because that the business model around the practice of architecture is unlike any other business model that you find in traditional practice. Um, So Janine and I have been really talking about how do we make this doable for us so we can continue to do the podcast and sustain it and um, put food on the table and do the things we want to in life. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. And similarly, I'm thinking very entrepreneurial about things, um, both because I run my own small business and Evelyn and I are working together to build up the practice of architecture and the podcast. So a lot of my personal goals are related to trying to get better at being an entrepreneur. And last year was a learning year, I put a lot of time into figuring out small little parts of the equation. And this year, I'm really hoping that that turns into more efficiency and more momentum for me in terms of running my business and running all these things that I'm trying to do. Beyond that, I think, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, 2020 was so hard in that it, it felt like things came to a standstill. And sometimes I felt like I wasn't moving or I was running on marbles, you know, like I think there was just this grand feeling of loss of control for everyone and trying to navigate like how to build a new normal. And I know people are tired of these words, but it's true. Like these are feelings that people had. And so I am really determined to reclaim as much stability within reason that I can within my own life. Um, I don't want to be afraid and I don't want to be not taking action in order to, you know, r- get through this. But I, I want to be safe. But I, 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 have to move forward. And so, I guess that's an abstract way to say that I'm just trying to
2: find my footing. I think using yourself as a case study for the podcast as someone who's just trying to build a small business is an excellent story, especially particularly for people who have been impacted by the pandemic and the recession that came with it. Just because employment is higher than obviously the past few years but um yeah there's a lot of people who are underemployed right now or unemployed who are looking to perhaps this is a good time for them to start and fulfill the niche or void in the industry that no one has provided yet so i think using yourself as a case study would be a, great, a great testament <laughs> to exactly what this podcast is titled <laughs> and evelyn and your b-school contacts i mean who How many architects can say they have B-School contacts? So I think looking to other industries and seeing how they're kind of treading water or even pivoting or even excelling in this time would be very interesting, particularly as firms perhaps look for additional streams of revenue or hiring people with a diverse backgrounds and experiences. I think that'd be very interesting. I'm
1: gonna get Janine to use her B school connections too. Oh, too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Janine. Yes, your B school
2: contacts. Oh well. yeah,
0: no worries. We are collaborating and, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So I think it's been. What's nice is Evelyn and I have so many commonalities in terms of how we think about things, and and that's been fun. So we, I think we push each other, and then and then in other ways we balance each other out.
2: <laughs> we notice more of an interest in business practices and what general other companies and other industries would typically do to run a successful business? Have you seen architects more interested in and open to hearing from what uh, larger companies, Fortune 500 companies would do in applying that to their own models? Or do you still still find architects kind of separate from this notion of being a business? Janine can battle me on this one. I think it's a
1: generational thing. I feel like the older generation believes in a unique way that what we do is really special. So it's hard to make comparisons to any other organizations and say like, and learn lessons from there because, because we're different, we're unique. Every, every single building we deliver is a prototype and something that has come out of our creativity. So how do you, how do you even begin to build processes (laughs) within the firm around that, let alone, learn from outside organizations, I feel like the younger generations are eager to really make a go at it. And they're questioning like, all the different ways that we can do it. Um, and they're looking for, I think they're inspired by some of like, the larger organizations that are actually mission driven. Um, and, and they're happy to, to draw and take ideas from there.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'll battle you on that because I definitely think it's a generational thing too. And I I think uh, what I've seen a lot of is particularly on the medium to small firms, like any firm that is individuals who started a firm because they love architecture and they came together to practice design, they're thinking about creating something really unique. They don't want to be... I've heard numerous architects say this, they just don't want to be a corporation. And so there's this misconception, I think, that thinking about business takes them away from design. And in some ways, maybe that's true. I know there are metrics out there that rank architecture firms based on design, business, and sustainability, for example. But I don't think that one cancels the other out. I think one can elevate the other. And that those things have to work together. And that's all Evelyn and I are saying is like, just because you're focused on business doesn't mean you're going to create an overt culture um, that is corporate in nature. It just means that you're you're trying to put processes and ideas down that are going to elevate the design work that you're doing. And so I think there's some really great firms out there who have figured out that balance like Karen Timberlake, we had them on last season. They were a great example. I think there are others and we're hoping to invite them on this year, but really just a willingness to be innovative between business and design.
2: Yes. Architect Magazine's, Architect 50 is a ranking that ranks firms based on design, business, and environment. And also we're looking at adding an equity metric as well. And they're not mutually exclusive. And one person doesn't have to do all of them. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a matter of hiring the right people to kind of meet the goals and be able to articulate the, what should be the goals for these particular streams. So, um, so Evelyn, you're expanding a lot of your work on the practice of architecture and I understand you have a new playbook out. Can you talk more about it?
1: Yeah, so we released it at the end of the last year, and we're only going to continue to grow it this year. But we found that all firms, no matter what size you are, are really questioning how do you – what's it going to look like after we emerge out of COVID? What does the new workplace look like? What does the new firm look like? How much flexibility do we give our people? Um this is not true of just architecture firms. It's it's what we are asking at Slack, you know, to where I work. It's what Salesforce is asking. (laughs) It's what Google and Facebook and Twitter and all the big tech firms are trying to figure out. I, I mean, I don't know of any business that isn't asking this question. The reality of it, though, is that I think the majority of Organizations will try to be a hybrid mix. So they will ultimately try to keep the flexibility or allow for greater flexibility, which means that at any given time, your entire teams, unless you set up an intentional meeting for your entire team to be in the office at one time, at any given time, you're, you know, the team's probably not going to be all physically present. So what does that? What does that mean? And if you think about, if you look at the three different models of practice, one being everyone in the office, two being all remote, and three being a mix of the two, the hybrid practice is the most difficult one to undertake because of that. Because you have, you could have a physical team, but you always have to act if one person isn't there. And how do you make sure that they get all of the information that they need? So we've developed, um, I, you know, this is, this is key and core to the work that I'm actually doing at Slack right now and all the questions that we're asking around. What does it mean for meetings? If we have three people in San Francisco and two people in New York, do we all still jump on our individual computers? So we have an equity, a more equitable online meeting experience versus before. When we weren't all remote, you know, those three people in San Francisco would be sitting around a conference room table, or it might be five people in San Francisco and that one remote person, um, and that one remote person just felt, you know, it's, it's hard to see all the five people on the other side of the screen. It's hard to, it's hard to interject, you know, and that's just kind of one example of how you have to rethink everything you're doing to be inclusive within a hybrid practice. Um. Yeah, so that's that's kind of I feel like where we're focusing our or where I'm focusing the practice of architecture. There's so many subtopics that fall off of that, right? Like you have to build a culture that's values driven to support this practice model. You have to relook at all of your operations and processes from the ground up and rebuild them, including how you hire people, how you onboard people, how you mentor people, um with intention you know some of the biggest complaints architecture firms i hear are saying like everything you learn from that gets picked up from overhearing conversations that are happening in the office you're not hearing anymore you know my argument would be i, I in the majority of architecture offices that i walk into a lot of the people that are doing cd's have their headphones on to focus in an open office environment so <laughs> So how much of that ambient noise are they really are you really learning from? And, and um, how do we rethink how we mentor the future of the profession? So like, I, I feel there's just so much content there that really play to everything that we started talking about in season one that can go into season two, but also build like a body of work for the practice of architecture in general.
0: I agree. And you're right, Evelyn, I think that culture piece for me is so important. I having worked in architecture firms, like I think that that's the piece that you have to figure out. If you want to be a thriving office, and especially in a time when maybe your entire team is still at home and hasn't seen each other since March of 2020 in person, culture is a metric that you have to be investing in and thinking about. And Largely it's been neglected, and I think some firms have attempted and they're working on things that they want to do around those conversations, but I think there's so much more potential there that is being ignored or overlooked because it hasn't been historically a part of our industry. It's always been an external thing to the firm um, and only perhaps – you know, I, I know that small firms are able to build, have that really nice culture and large firms are able to offer programs that enhance culture. But overwhelmingly, when it comes down to it, like if you're working on a deadline, culture becomes a neglected part of this industry. And that's what we're talking about. You know, it's not the happy hour after work or the morning office meeting. It's like the culture of the firm when things are really hard and like, how do you navigate all that? I know there's a lot of different people out there doing good things and that's what we hope to dive into and understand and and understand how to have conversations around culture that elevate the people in the office. I'm really passionate about making sure that millennial and Gen Z designers who decide they want to become architects make it to become architects and don't leave this industry. I mean, that's why I am doing what I'm doing because I've seen too many people walk away from this industry because they feel undervalued, they don't feel listened to, they don't have a way to move up fast enough. And that's unfortunate because this industry is – it has so much to give and I really want to see that next generation of talent become – exactly who they're meant to be in terms of leading the firms of the future that we need.
2: I think the design profession can definitely benefit from the emerging generations just just because they're just, they're more open to ideas that we need to implement more commonly in design, such as their attention to sustainability, to ensuring accessibility, equity, um, working in communities that who need it more than potentially high paying typical clients that turn to architecture so, I think that's critical. And I like your point that when you guys are talking about culture, you're not talking about like virtual happy hours like after, on every Friday, which can be fun, but it's probably people are tired of that by now. It's yeah. more just the culture of understanding that people need to be flexible in their work hours, especially right now, in terms of if they have children or if they have maybe night school, if they have other jobs to support them or their families or the caregiving, their own parents, us uh, providing caregiving for their own parents you know, it also needs to support a culture of mentorship for bringing up the newer and um, emerging professionals. Um, just giving grace to people at this time is a very, I think, what people really value right now in terms of culture. Yeah. Not so much just like company merch or anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Evelyn, are you, and are you guys, and Janine, are you guys sourcing these ideas from your own work at Slack? Or are you finding other firms that are practicing. I know there are some small firms, like you said, who have always been completely virtual and, and, you know, those models are a starting point, but where are you getting these ideas and
1: case studies? For, for a starting point, I've been sourcing a lot of, um, a lot of what I've been learning at Slack through other virtually or remote first companies as a starting point. Um, And then I think we're going to more actively seek out other case studies. So we do, um, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, but um, so we're working with Leah and another partner to come back and start a course on how you want to build a virtual practice. Um, should you want to build an entirely virtual practice? Uh, but I feel like as we find more of those firms that have done the, these type of things, this would be a great opportunity and we would be happy to highlight them um, in a variety, a variety of different ways.
0: A lot of my research comes from decade a decade of conversations with people that work in firms all over the country. I have been lucky because I have a very extensive network that I gained through my time with AIS and AIA. So I feel very tapped into what it what's happening across the country. And I think the rest of it is through a lot of my research that I do external to the industry, like, you know, my training in business school and then a lot of my stuff that I read that's business management related.
1: I've always had this and I've talked to Janine about this. I don't know if this is going to be the year that this gets built out. Probably not. We have a lot on our plates. But um pre like glass door, I had there was this person that released it, that released this um it was meant to be like glass door, but it was called Inside Arc. I don't know if one day, you're nodding, I don't know if you remember that it was out in the world. But what happened is what happened on what with Yelp, essentially, the first time that everyone kind of complained about architecture firms. And the founder got a lot of threats um, about <laughs> from from firm principles. So it didn't, it didn't ever evolve into something like Glassdoor. But I feel like there is a greater need to either find a way to get architecture firms to to, to participate and like this, the transparency of like what happens within our firms, um, you know, for them to be exposed a little bit more. I like technology firms are encouraging their people to go to Glassdoor and make comments. Um, I was at an architecture firm where we were determined that for every po- negative comment that went up, we thought the principal was logging on using three different <laughs> emails to post three positive <laughs> comments, which is kind of beside the point because he actually never made changes to the firm. He just um, tried to overpower negative comments with positive comments. But I think there's an opportunity there to like, how do you create that environment? We've also talked about um a lot of architecture firms don't do um, like yearly employee engagement surveys. So is there an opportunity for a third party to kind of step in and and gather all that data you know and ask a consistent handful of questions across all firms as they gather that data i think that's an opportunity to to understand more about how culture is being evolved or not evolved in architecture firms those are all like on the i don't know maybe the 5 year roadmap and if somebody gets there sooner um i'm all for them getting there sooner just We would love to partner with you.
0: Evelyn, should we talk about what we're doing this year? Uh, Sure. We're really excited this year because I think one of the big goals is to build a community of like minds, people that are thinking outside the box, innovatively. They're interested in business or growing their skills from a business standpoint, even if they're still practicing inside a firm. But we're thinking about how to create a lot of really great resources that support those people so that those conversations are happening in a concentrated way where they can grow.
2: Is that in conjunction with the playbook? Is that a separate
1: forum or platform? So I think, I mean, honestly, we're looking at starting a membership program. You know, so when we talk about growing a community, we want to be really intentional. We talk about intentionality all the time. So we want to be really intentional about the people in that community and make sure that it's a vibrant community. So, um, so when people are showing up and giving their time to it and, you know, and paying into it, they're, they're getting, they're getting true value out of it. And there's plenty of other forums out there that talk about entrepreneur and traditional practice that talk about path to licensure that talk about details and codes I think that's the first time I've ever said details and codes on practice disrupted so obviously that's kind of like not where we're going to be focused but you know it's going to be playing on helping these people develop pieces of the the hybrid uh practice playbook so the culture piece the mentoring piece the people piece helping them understand what tools are out there to to move them forward um I think we're going to give them access or we're going to give them greater access to our podcast guests so that we've, we've had a few, we've actually pre-recorded a few episodes in December where we've already asked those guests if they'd be willing to come back and do an Ask Me Anything with the community. So that means that uh, our listeners will get a chance to engage with the people that we're bringing on the podcast. And we're actually looking at being more active about hosting our own webinars. And I don't, we're making a conscientious effort to, to increase the variety of different ways people can engage with practice of architecture and the opportunity to learn from not only from us, from other experts and from like others in the community as well.
0: Yeah, like-minded people coming together to talk about shared issues.
2: And are you targeting a certain people with th- certain levels of experience or people across all levels of experience? Just some other kind of mindset? Yeah,
1: I think it's more of a mindset thing for me because mm-hmm. I think there's there's so... I have said this numerous times, you know, Slack believes that if you are, whether you're an intern or whether you're showing up as our chief marketing officer, um, you have the ability to contribute something to the organization from day one. I, I mean, I think that's true of of anyone in architecture, right? They they bring a unique, different perspective. And I, I, I am totally guilty of being the manager that's just like, <laughs> come on, like, new associate, like, I just hired you and I just need you to do this. But I've taken a step back at those points, too, and been like, if they need me to explain why I want them to do it a certain way and they challenge that and we come out doing it a different way that's either quicker, better, or faster, then we've both learned from that.
0: I'm really interested in um, leaders who are either trying to grow as managers or young business leaders or they're at that like growth point. I think that's what I'd like, you know, personally is to work with people who are in the process of growing and still trying to figure it out and get better at those skills. I think the mindset is somebody who's open to growth and wants to look at new ways
1: to do things. So Janine, I would do a yes and to that with the caveat that Like, for instance, we've lined up like a a Forbes 30 under 30. So um, you can be any age and still be in that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's age specific. I think it's really about mindset for
2: sure. So you mentioned you've already conducted some interviews for your season two. What else are you planning to pursue? Well, we had a great
1: conversation actually this morning. It's been a long morning of recording. Talking about the importance of knowledge management and and capturing knowledge and um, what that looks like, I've brought in some people from Slack. Slack announced a future forum last year that they're going really deep on kind of what does the future of work look like, and they're approaching it from a three tiered perspective: it's people, process, and place. So they have actually somewhat of a more academic research. Outcomes of, of some of the survey questions that they're doing and, and how organizations are designing new ways to work together going forward. We're looking at bringing in some younger entrepreneurs that have gotten VC funding to launch products that support the architecture industry. We're also looking at, I'm also trying to chase down a few individuals um, who have, you know, launched products. Given their architecture background, but the product might not be at all related necessarily to the practice of doing architecture.
0: Initially, trying to pull in a couple contacts that I know are going to hit into those business skills that we've talked about, like practice issues. So we've got someone who's operations focused. We've got someone who has a marketing, digital marketing background. Um, I've also I'm trying to get this other person that has um, a really good perspective on. Uh, people management skills and coming from outside of the industry. So uh, hopefully, hopefully she'll say yes. And then um, we also are going to continue, like the Voices uh, series is going to continue. I think we are looking at ways to keep that um, fresh. And I'm talking to a couple of different people about potentially organizing the next one on that.
1: So- yeah, and we can actually get more specific about that because I think, I feel like Janine, you got really excited, but we are looking at doing one Voices of the Future from a handful of students that just graduated during the pandemic and what they're facing. More oh, crazy yeah. Time.
0: <laughs> I know, actually. And, and so we do have some people that are interested in doing that for individuals that graduated in 2020 into that climate. And Evelyn had the great idea of like, thinking about that in context to the last recession, because I know there's a lot of parallels that this isn't, this is not a, I mean, yes, this pandemic was crazy, but that dread of being a graduate into a market that doesn't have jobs is not unique. It's, it's happened before it's recessions are cyclical. And we know that there's people who, are my age that graduated in the last recession that are they've figured out how to come through. And and I think um, hopefully we can provide anybody who's finding themselves in the 2020 graduation market 2021 in 2021 and adjacent years, um, a little bit of hope behind that.
1: And then we were also looking at, and Wanda, you've alluded to this a few times, but those individuals that are um, wearing multiple hats, both at home and at work by being caregivers, um, and especially like kind of mid-career women in the profession and what that looks like.
0: We have a lot of things we want to cover, but we see them all connected through a practice perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I totally, I totally dig practice coverage in, in all the formats it takes. You know, I, I, Janine, you mentioned you're seeing a lot of people who are trained architects leaving the profession, which does offer a lot. But do you also see like a benefit of art, train, people who are trained in design architecture going into other industries?
0: Oh, absolutely. I I see it as positive. And I think a big thing that we talked about last year uh, was that we wanted to shine a light on that, because I don't know why it's like this, uh, I guess, just cultural issues again. But a lot of times when those people leave, they are no longer part of our industry, unless they're like, adjacent enough that it benefits the firm in some way, like, I don't know.
1: We do have a way, like, if you aren't following the licensure path, and if you didn't get on this path, and, and this is true of how, you know, what I would like to see change in the AIA is how do we capture all of the people that went, that have an architecture background and have a love for architecture, but found a different career trajectory? Like, I feel like they are they could be our biggest advocates, but but we tend to isolate them um in a very negative way. Um and, and not include them in the profession anymore.
0: Yeah, I remember early on, Evelyn and I both were like, okay, we gotta stop using the word al- al- alternative careers, because like it just feels so condescending, you know, to put an other label on it. You know, it to us, we we wanna show value in it. Like we brought on Rebecca, who was probably the most Unique voice from the Architecture and series. Uh, she works at Lucas Films. And after her interview and listening to it, I watched Mandalorian season two, which she worked on. And I
1: barely was listening to the story. I was like, except for like at the final when Luke revealed himself. Just yeah. <laughs> then I was just, spoilers.
2: <laughs> spoilers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then I was just like looking at the renderings, but um, mostly was my, I was looking. That's my favorite part
2: of the. I love seeing the renderings I, I, at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, no. I just was like, I was like uh, studying the architecture. Like I never thought to study the architecture in that show until I had that conversation with her. And, and then I followed up with her and I was like, Oh my gosh. Now I want to know which, which sets did you work on? And, uh, so we've been emailing about that, but you know, it's just really cool. I think there's, there is architecture in these other career paths. You just have to
2: look for it. I know Evelyn used to say that. I'm probably quoting you back around to yourself, right. but used to say architecture is like three recessions away from being um, extinct. like uh, extinct. Yes, do you think that's even more true now, given uh, that a lot of tech companies are kind of moving into the space too? Kind of, like, I'm
1: thinking like. I, I mean, I think we have to keep an eye on it, right? Like um, the the amount of funding, the amount of funding going into the. Construction technology, real estate technology um, is is actually – is like pretty astronomical how quickly that's grown. Um, I would hold that traditional practice since maybe it's now – is now two recessions <laughs> away from being extinct because we find ourselves in the middle of another one. Um, it's not necessarily an evolve or die situation, but at the same time, it kind of is – I think we just need to be aware of everything else that's happening around us. So, you know, SoftBank bailed Katara out. And I just know that there's going to be a lot of architecture people out there saying, you know, told you so, this isn't going to work. And I think to take that approach is just kind of dismissive of of the opportunity that that still exists in that space.
2: Yeah, I think there are a lot of interesting... Models of architecture coming forward that straddle tech and design, and it's not a bad thing either. Again, they're very um, compatible. But you know, I'm looking at uh, like Generate is another company that's doing a lot of great modular architecture and usually really capitalizing and leveraging technology to create almost bespoke design, just mm-hmm. but much faster than you know traditional design routes. So I think borrowing those ideas across tech and um, design is, it can be very lucrative and promising.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And without compromising design at all. That was so much interesting stuff. Well, I'm excited. So if you guys are going to do 40 podcasts in this season, uh, almost one per week recording, you probably batch some of them, but that's still a lot.
0: Well, we're going we're gonna to be in a sprint through to uh, May. And then we'll take a little bit of a break over the summer and then we'll come back and do our second sprint. So we'll do 20 and then a break and then 20.
1: Good luck with everything. But
2: we're going to bring you back, Wanda. Yes, I'd love to come back anytime. Thank you for asking me to be on. It's such an honor.
1: Hopefully that was an interesting point of view into some of the conversations that we're having behind the scenes. We will be inviting Wanda back as a guest speaker later this season to talk about getting published and the importance of writing to build knowledge leadership. I also
0: want to clarify one point that I realized is potentially confusing from the interview. At one point, I stated, I want to keep people in the profession so they can become architects and don't leave. And almost immediately after, I stated that I see value in people pursuing careers outside of the industry.
1: That's so confusing, Janine. I know.
0: (laughs) Some people might find those two ideas at odds and, and some, you know, might understand where I'm coming from, but perhaps that's a conversation for another time. The main point is that people are walking away from our industry and we're losing people. We don't have the time or the depth of resources on our bench to lose more talent from this industry. We need to find ways to keep them engaged and connected.
1: I absolutely agree with that. I think, Janine, you and I, and I've been very honest on the podcast previously about how isolated I felt when I was deciding whether or not to step away from the traditional path. And this was even true when I remained so close and actively engaged within the AIA network. Ultimately, that is one of the reasons why I wanted to launch a new community, the POA Lab. To bring together anyone who defines architecture or architecture practice more broadly and to have a place to explore new ideas, whether that's a different approach to culture and business development in a more traditional firm or ideas on launching a brand new product or pursuing a new career altogether.
0: So you're officially launching the POA lab this year in 2021.
1: Yes. So actually, by the time this episode airs, we will have already opened up the doors to the POA lab.
0: And maybe we should pause and explain why it's called a lab.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think you and I talked about calling it an accelerator, we talked about calling it an incubator. Those two terms are very heavy and deep in the technology field. For us or for me, You know, I define lab as an opportunity for experimentation, research, um, to put out challenges and begin to meet those challenges. It really is, perhaps, if anything, an introductory step to being an incubator and an accelerator, but it's really a place for conversations and to grow community through new ideas.
0: Yeah, and we've heard from different people who've been listening to the podcast that are excited about sharing their ideas and and joining a like-minded group of people who are talking about these things. So maybe we should talk about what, if anyone decides they want to come join this community, what are they going to get?
1: I think we've said community like 5,000 times already, but anyone who joins will obviously get access to every other person that is a part of the community. We're also going to be hosting behind-the-scenes AMAs or Ask Me Anything conversations with podcast guests that we have brought on our shows. So it's an opportunity for you to ask your questions directly with our guests. We will be hosting a number of amazing peer-to-peer networking events, and you get extra time with us and the growing POA team. The other thing you're going to get is free access to our monthly webinar series and a growing library of on-demand resources, as well as free access to the CEU offerings that we are beginning to put forward following our podcast episodes, as well as access to the playbooks that we started to develop at the end of last year, including our hybrid practice playbook and SWAT playbook, and more playbooks forthcoming.
0: So clearly a lot of interesting things to tap into. And the next question I think we need to address is what makes this community unique, because there's certainly a lot of different communities out there.
1: Yeah, and I think, Janine, you and I actually participate in pretty actively in some of those communities. So there are a lot of communities out there, both standalone and on Facebook, including the new Clubhouse app, which as an android user i'm really struggling trying to be a part of right now but i feel like a lot of those communities really specifically address being a woman architect um are looking at path to licensure what it's like being a young architect in a more traditional firm there's architects that have all shifted to technology there's communities that talk about sole practitioners you know and the basis of what it takes to run a business we are really interested in having conversations that move careers and the practice forward in a unique way. So it could be anything from how do you do business development differently to how do you develop your culture more intentionally to what are the many different career paths that architecture can really take and how how do I take steps to follow those different paths?
0: Yeah, and I'm also really interested in all the folks that are interested in having deep dive conversations on entrepreneurship. Um, and I know we're talking about having that group as well. Um, so how, how does this look? And like, what, how do people participate?
1: Yeah, so actually, when this episode airs, we'll have opened an application process. And the reason why we're doing an application process is twofold. We really want to make sure that we bring together individuals that are truly forward thinking, and talking about evolving their careers and evolving the practice of architecture. Two, we are trying to grow the community intentionally. And I think you'll be hearing a lot about intentionality over this year. But rather than letting anyone register and become a part of the community at any time, we will be accepting a limited number of individuals on a rolling basis each month to make sure that it remains active and that people really stay engaged. For those who
0: are considering this, we're looking forward to meeting you and having additional conversations in the months to come. And if you've been listening, we really appreciate you too. And we're glad that you're hanging on and joining us for the upcoming season. Um, So I know we've covered a lot in this first episode, but clearly we're excited. We have a lot to offer and we're growing a lot of different resources for our listeners. So any way that you want to get involved, we're trying to give you something that you can tap into to get more information about the topics that we're discussing. And of course, give you a place to engage more with our
1: guests. And with one another, I think bringing our listeners together are equally important for us. And on that note, tune in next week. Thanks for joining us on Practice Disrupted, a podcast by Practice of Architecture. Visit us at practiceofarchitecture.com to find out more about future episodes and the changing nature of practice.
0: We have several ways you can get involved with our growing community. Find us on social media at practice of Arc. You can also become a member of the POA lab or join us on Patreon.
1: And if you want to take your career or practice to the next level, Janine and I also consult, provide workshops, and speak regularly on this research. And we would love an opportunity to collaborate with you.
0: This show is part of Gable Media. You can learn more about other podcasts and video channels in our community by visiting gablmedia.com.
1: We are also looking for sponsors who want to partner with us in 2021 and beyond. If that's you, please contact me directly at evelyn at practiceofarchitecture.com.
0: If you like the research we're doing here, please help us out by leaving a rating or review on Apple. We appreciate you subscribing on your favorite podcast app.
1: Don't forget to share with your friends and feel free to let us know what other topics or speakers you're interested in hearing from. Thanks for listening and see you next week.